0: welcome to season two of the Peepcast, brought to you by buffalo wowings it is july 23rd 2021 and we are less than a week away from training camps opening up all across the nfl it is finally here I am here to get you ready for the upcoming season. I will go division by division and giving you a breakdown of each team discussing their outlook as we continue to inch closer and closer to the upcoming NFL season. And today we got a good one. I'm doing a much anticipated preview of the AFC West. Let's get it. All right, let's go ahead and get this thing going. So the first team we're going to talk about today are the Denver Broncos. And this is a team. As I really researched them and went position by position, that I really started to grow fond, more fond of, as I went through this process. I I started to realize I they have a lot more talent than I think we give them than we give them credit for. There's a number of different reasons for that, but you know, realistically, they have been putting pieces together, and I, I feel like they're one or two pieces away and maybe even a breakout performance away from really competing for a potential playoff spot. Now this division would be tough for that. You know, they they are going to have some competition as, as we, you know, continue to talk through this division, but this team is setting themselves up well. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about it all. So first of all, when we're talking about a team that's kind of up and coming or any team, I believe their success lies directly in hand of their quarterback. What, What is their situation at quarterback? There's a lot that we can learn from that, okay? So before the draft even started, the Denver Broncos went out and they traded for Teddy Bridgewater. So he's my first key addition to their team from from the Carolina Panthers. So we're training camps five days away, and there's going to be a full-on competition for the, the starting quarterback job. Now, if you're really going to break this down and really kind of think about this, I don't think that you go out and trade for a quarterback unless you're going to – you have concerns about the your your current quarterback, which is Drew Locke. So they obviously had concerns about Drew Locke, his progression or, or, or whatever, but they obviously felt like they needed to bring in another guy, whether it was for competition or it was for – you know Teddy to be the starter, you know that remains to be seen. You know, in my opinion, I think if you go out and you trade for a guy like Teddy that has been around the NFL that's won some games in the NFL, that realistically his career was was starting to take off, I want to say it was right around 2015 when he was playing for the Minnesota Vikings and then a freak knee injury in training camp just derailed his entire career. It took him about 18 months to be able to come back. He he gets on with you know, the New Orleans Saints as a backup. Drew Brees goes down for about five weeks, and Teddy comes in and plays pretty well. So then after that, he goes and plays for the Panthers, and he got a chance to be the starter. And it probably didn't go the way that Teddy wanted to go, but it wasn't bad either. I, I would say he was very serviceable. He went out there and he won some games, but also Carolina didn't really have a lot going for him. You know, they have Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but outside of that offensively, I, I didn't really feel like they were really explosive. I You know, I'll, I'll just leave it there about the Carolina Panthers. And we'll talk more about them, what their outlook is going to be, you know, this upcoming season here in, a, here in a, a few weeks. But I think Teddy has a really great opportunity in front of him right now as of July 23rd because I think there's some other things that, that can happen. Um, and I don't want to really speculate as I'm previewing, what, I'm previewing what's currently on the roster for them. And there's some big things that could happen. I think they could take this team from, all right, well, I'll just say it, Aaron Rodgers. That guy's out there. I honestly, there's going to be some big things that are going to happen within this next week. I honestly think uh, that that Green Bay is going to hold Pat, and I think he's going to have to, to say that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to retire. And we'll see what happens. The the reason that I am talking about the Denver Broncos and Aaron Rodgers is that they're really the only team that has the cap space and has a question mark at quarterback that it really is just like those paths are, are merging together if he's if Aaron Rodgers is gonna go play for another team. But he's not on the roster right now, so I'm not gonna talk too much about him, but have that in the back of your mind because he could change this team from hey Maybe competing in the playoffs, you know, might be on the outside looking in, might squeak in, would turn that this team into a pretty dang good football team. So, Teddy Bridgewater has an opportunity to do some things with this roster. Is ultimately what I'm trying to say. This this roster is is, is a good one. So he's our first key addition, and this is when I really started to to change my mind a little bit when I started to realize. Not necessarily offensively. Now, offensively, they are. uh, They they did get uh, some other pieces there. But defensively, I really think that they are going to be tough. And their head coach is known for for defense, Vic Fangio. So when they bring in guys like Ronald Darby to come in and play corner, uh, that's really going to be more of a depth thing, I think. Um, He's going to be able to compete there maybe for a, a nickel corner position. But that's a depth pick, and that's a guy that has started in the NFL that is is a quality player. But here's a guy I think is very, very underrated. And I could talk about this guy. I've watched him play for the last few years uh, with the Bears. And, Larry, I know that that you're listening, and and you can attest to this. Kyle Fuller is a dang good player. He is aggressive. He plays tough man-to-man defense. He breaks up a lot of passes. Uh, in my opinion, he is a really, really underrated corner in this league, and now he is playing for the Denver Broncos. And I think this scheme for Kyle Fuller is is going to be really, really perfect for him. You know, Vic Fangio likes to blitz. He, uh, they like to have a really strong pass rush, and, you know, they have the guys to be able to do it this year. They, they really, really do. So that's a really great pickup. And then, of course, in the draft, Everybody had Trey Lance, including myself. I had Trey Lance going to the Denver Broncos um, up until they traded for Teddy Bridgewater. Then in the draft, they pick up Patrick Sertan, which in my opinion was, uh, he, he wasn't the first corner, I, I thought, but I, it was like more like a 1A, 1B, and Patrick Sertan was that 1B guy. Uh, JC Horn was my number one corner on the board uh, in, in the draft, but Patrick Sertan I mean, he's going to come in, and he's going to be a starter. Obviously, great cornerback at the University of Alabama. Pair him with Fuller. And then uh, they got Callahan at the nickel. We'll talk about that. I just want to talk about the dishes. But Bryce Callahan at that nickel position, uh, potentially Ronald Darby. So you think about that. All of a sudden you're going, oh, man, okay, that starts to sound familiar for you Denver Broncos fans, doesn't it? Wasn't it in uh, 2015 you guys had a really, really good secondary, a really strong pass rush? Huh. That's what this team reminds me of. I'm not saying that they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but I'm saying that they are piecing it together, much like that 2015 run, and it, it, it's very, it's uh, it's eerily similar to me. Uh, I just think they got the players. But here's here's where I really think that they, that they won the draft. I'm not saying that they were like the best team, you know, in the draft, but I, I I've been talking to this, Scott, if you're listening, you know, I've been high on this guy, Javonta Williams, uh, that, uh, out of North Carolina that you guys got in the second round. You guys have a solid, the Denver Broncos have a solid one, two punch in the backfield right now with Melvin Gordon and, uh, Javonta Williams. Now Javonta Williams is very special and it, you could argue that he was better than Najee Harris, better than Travis Etienne. This guy is a pinball, and he can catch the ball on the backfield. He's very elusive. I think that's going to be with Melvin Gordon and Javonta Williams. That's going to be awesome because, of course, one of the key departures is Philip Lindsay. Uh, you know they, you know, let him go in free agency, and he's been a key contributor over the last couple of years. I'm actually a big fan of Philip Lindsay. Um, but I think there's definitely an upgrade with getting uh, Javonta Williams there in the second round. Um, some key departures, you know, there wasn't a ton, but I think one on that on that defense, you know, Chris Harris, Jr., and him going to the Chargers, I think, you know, within the division, I think that, that always hurts, um, but I think that's one that, okay, th- they probably got a little bit younger. I think Kyle Fuller is, you know, Chris Harris is more, uh, uh, of a nickelback he plays on the outside sometimes but you know he's a really scrappy guy uh, so they're going to miss him they're going to miss his en- uh his energy um and then Jarrell Casey uh defensive tackle um he was released and then AJ Bouye who honestly I don't know he just he was really good for the Texans uh you know a few years ago and he just never just I I he, he had some good games, but he was just never that guy, and I think he uh, his contract just became expendable, and so he he's out the door. So overall, when I look at this, I look at the draft, look at the pieces they're putting together, you know, trading for Teddy Bridgewater. I I really think that they're starting to kind of piece together their team a little bit and get some talent in that building that's gonna that's really gonna help them out, uh, you know, during the the course of, of this season. So. They get some solid quarterback play. They have a um, a really good one-two punch in the backfield. Uh, we'll talk more about that here in a second. So uh, those are their key additions. So some things to watch for. So number one, I really think about Von Miller, obviously, with the the pass rush. Now, him and Bradley Chubb, ha- it, it, they haven't really played a lot together. I think over the last couple of years, so... Von Miller went down with an ankle injury. He had a a tendon in his ankle that got dislocated. Just kind of a freak thing last year. Um, And then Bradley Chubb the year before that with an ACL injury. So these guys, for the last last two years, have not been on the field together. And they're healthy. So, of course, it's training camp. We want to get to week one, have those guys be healthy. But I think that's a big boost. When you can have a guy like Von Miller and then... uh, a guy like Bradley Chubb who who can really get it done on the defense, hey, I think you're starting to starting to get some things together and get that pass rush. Because as we know, and I talk about this all the time, it's really a pass rush and the secondary married they're they're married together. And what I mean by that is if you've got a pass rush or lack of a pass rush, your secondary—it doesn't matter who you have out there—they're—they're going to get picked apart. Okay. Now, on the flip side, if you have a pass rush that is really getting after the quarterback, that can help cover up some things on the back end in the secondary. But I think when you have two strong units, like I—I'm—I'm I'm viewing that uh, for the Denver Broncos th- this year, I think you have a chance to have a really good defense. So. With their their pass rush with Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb being healthy, and their revamped secondary with Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, and Patrick Sertan. And their safeties are good too. Their their safeties are really, really good. You got Justin Simmons. Uh he is a beast. In twenty nineteen he he had an elite grade of ninety point seven according to pro football focus. Uh down a little bit last year, but I you know, some of these grades with pro football focus, you kind of got to take with a, a grain of salt because they're they're gonna rate performance. But there's a lot of circumstances that go around that. They the Denver Broncos just had a, a tough time last year, and not to mention when you look at who's in their division, it's gonna, it's tough to be a, a really strong secondary. But they have a a chance to be that this year with their pass rush and their secondary kind of coming together and hopefully playing in 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 synchronization there. And, Perfect harmony, so to speak. And then on on the other safety, you got Kareem Jackson. Now this guy has three back to back seasons of uh, well, seventy nine point two, which is good. That that is a good grade, eighty two point three, and then eighty point four. So consistent across the board now. And he's a veteran, so he's been in the league. He's a ten year veteran, and he can really get done. He's a former first round pick. Kareem Jackson's a good football player. So you talk about those corners. You talk about those safeties. You talk about that pass rush. That that's a unit right there that can, they can get it done. Uh, and their interior defensive line isn't isn't bad either. You got Draymond Jones. He he he's a good player. He, his he he's a lot uh, better of a pass rusher than he is a run defender. But that's just another guy that's going to be coming after that quarterback. Um, you have a chance. For that defense to do some things this season. And they're gonna have to be. I think in that division, you have to have a strong defense to be able to compete, you know, with the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Derek Carr in that division. You have to have a strong secondary and a strong defense to be able to disrupt those types of players. So obviously, that's a big part of what the Denver Broncos believe in. And then when you look at, you know, offense, they got some weapons, man. They got some big time weapons. Melvin Gordon. He's a, he's a good player. He's a really good running back. And honestly, even just a couple of years ago, I think that's a guy that in all of our fantasy drafts you know, was, was a top ten guy. Easily. Was one of the first running backs off the board. So Melvin Gordon can still get it done, and then you pair him up with Javonta Williams, that's, that can start to get special there. Um, and then, of course, they drafted Jerry Judy last year, and they have Courtman Sutton and Noah Fant at the tight end position. Noah Fant is a guy that is really, you know, ascending in the in this league. You know, he's in he's in the top half of of tight ends in the league. And so you start to say, okay, Jerry Judy, oh, we got Gordon Sutton, oh, we got Noah Fant, we got two really good running backs. Now who's getting him the ball? And that's where it's coming to that quarterback competition. Who's going to be more consistent? Is it going to be Drew Locke or is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater? And like I said, if you trade for a guy like Teddy, I think it's his job to lose. In my opinion. We'll see how he plays in the preseason, but in my opinion, it's Teddy's job to lose. Um, and then their offensive line. When you when you take a look at it, for me, their biggest you know question mark would be the center position. We'll we'll talk about that here in a second. But they have an elite left tackle. He he posted his first elite grade last year, and that's Garrett Bowles. He really had a breakout season last year. Um, really good. Pass blocking, really good run blocking. So very balanced. That's an elite grade at 90.6 for Garrett Bowles. So really great for him. He's a first-round uh, pick, former first-round pick out of uh, University of Utah. Um, and then on the, the right tackle side, you got Bobby Massey. Now, he, he he's a good player. He's been in the league for a while. Uh, I think this is him going into his ninth season. So he's he's been in the league for a while. Um, but that helps when you have two tackles that have had experience in the league, that's going to really benefit whoever is, is back at, at quarterback. Because as we talked about, pass, the pass rush can really disrupt any offense. All, all you got to do is get to the quarterback. That's the easiest way to disrupt any offense. So you got to secure that with the left and right tackle. Um, so they got weapons. It's just who's getting them the ball. Who's getting them the ball? Is it Bridgewater? Is it Drew Lock? So offensively, that's what they look like. Uh, now, the things that I, I think that are going against them, it, one is that center position. Now, center is that guy right in the middle of that offensive line. He's communicating protections, um, and you know that he has he has been because they they've had you know Drew Lock back there. He's he was a younger guy. I can't imagine that they were putting you know a lot of. Uh, protections on on drew Locke, so you know that's come down to uh the center and this is uh lloyd cushionberry and i'll just be honest i don't, I don't want to go ahead and and uh diss this guy but to me if, if you're looking at if there's a hole on the offensive line i think you got to start at center so he's got to get a lot better there uh but the guards uh they're they're a little bit better so you got graham glasgow uh he's been in the league for uh for a little while so he he can get it done. Um, He's posted some really good grades consistently over the last couple years. And then you got, uh, let's see here, Dalton uh, Reisner, I want to say is his name. You can say Reisner. I would say it's Reisner, R-I-S-N-E-R. So I would say that center to left guard is kind of the the spot where they're not as solid as, say, the outside and then that right guard position. So um, that would be a concern for me offensively. Um, But one of the things that, that helps out an offensive line is having two really good running backs and the ability to run the ball. and the Denver Broncos have that, so let's see how they use Javonta Williams and Melvin Gordon. Um, I know that they, they, they like that screen game and things like that. And then the other thing you know, as you're looking at, you know that's going against Denver, you know we talked about Jerry Judy, we talked about Cortland Sutton. Who's that third receiver? I mean, tight end, no offense, okay, but who's that number three guy? Now we know in the NFL, you know, right now there's a lot of three wide receiver sets. There's not a lot of teams. Um, you know, Baltimore is one that comes to mind where they don't use a lot of three wide receiver sets. Uh, we talked about last podcast how it seems like they're going to, but they're not built that way. Uh, but who's really the third wide receiver? Is it Tim Patrick? Is it KJ Hamler? You know, who is it? Who who's who's that guy going to be? So um, I think that's a question mark that they're going to figure out obviously in training camp coming up. But you know, for me. You know, that would be a, a concern. Who's, who's that guy? And and once they figure that out, is he going to be consistent? Um, you know, Jerry Judy's performance should help take, uh, you know, some of that off of the third wide receiver. And same thing with Cortland Sutton. So um, definitely there. And then when you got inside linebacker, like I, I'm looking at these guys and, and I, I mean, I don't know who the heck these guys are. Josie Jewell? Who the heck is that guy? Um, he posted a decent grade last year, and I'm supposed to know this guy, but, you know, for some reason I just don't know his name. And that's a that, that's that's kind of a problem when you think about linebacker because that is the guy, the captain of your defense that's communicating all the calls, all the calls. When you think about any formidable defense, you always think about their middle linebacker, whether it's Ray Lewis, Mike Singletary, Fred Warner for the 49ers, uh, Bobby Wagner for the Seahawks. You can always, you think of that, you know, that tough group of defense and how physical they play. And you always can think of that Mike linebacker. And with this group can't really have that, you know, that picture uh, of who that guy is. So for me, I want to see that guy step up. I'm going to really, I'm really going to pay attention to the Denver Broncos this year. Um, So the next thing we got to take a look at, so that's their lineups, you know, there that's things to watch for things that are going against them. Uh, The next thing we got is their, their schedule. So, you know, who's on their schedule? We got the New York Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars up first. So, you know, the way that it starts off, they have a bulk of their division games week 12 and later. So it starts off early, you know, for the Broncos to to be set up to to get some wins under the belt. They they start off against the Giants and the Jaguars, then the Jets, you know, and I'm not saying the Giants are going to be a pushover because I do think they're going to be better than people expected. But you know, when you think of the New York Giants right now at the top of your head, you're not thinking, hey, powerhouse. You're thinking NFC East, and that's always up for grabs, and that's a 7-9 and team potentially. Or, you know, I guess this year I got to get used to saying maybe 7-10 and type of team or, you know, 6-11 and or whatever that is. Um, but they have a good start to the season. Week 4 against Baltimore, and then Pittsburgh's where it starts to get tough. But what's really crazy, they don't have their first divisional game until week 6. And they play the Raiders. And then after that, they don't play their in their division again until week 12. So week 12 to week 18 is a bulk of their their divisional games. So they have a chance to kind of get the, some things going uh, early on in the season. Um, so the way that it just shakes out for them, they got the Giants, they got the Jaguars, they got the Jets. Good start. Then they got Baltimore and Pittsburgh. That's going to be tough. Then they got the Raiders. Okay, So that's of course, divisional game, that's a rivalry. Then the Browns, talked about the Browns last week. I'm going to try to shut up on them. Uh, but obviously, I think they're going to be a really good team. Then you got the Washington football team. I think they're going to be good. Dallas, I never know what we're going to get out of Dallas. i got to really dig into them when I get into the, the NFC East there. But I would anticipate that they're going to be better than they were last year. They have Dak Prescott back, so and that's in Dallas. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, um, you know, I I think this is really going to be a down year for them. Um, And then you got all those bulk games uh, in the division. You got the Chargers, you got the Chiefs. um, Then you end up getting the Lions, then the Bengals, and then you got the Raiders, Chargers, and Chiefs again. So see how they set themselves up early to see if they can make a run within some of those divisional games in week 12. So I I think they can compete. I think they have the ability to do so. I think they're going to be one of those teams. That as you kind of look down the stretch, you don't really want to play because they're kind of starting to get some things together. You know that they're tough. You know that they're physical, and they might not have all those wins under their belt, but you know that they're going to be there for all sixty minutes. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how they go. You know, for me in this division right now, I I, I would have to say that I got to put them at third. Um, if I'm going to project this thing out, I think that they they got to, They're going to compete with the the Raiders. Um, And the Raiders have the potential to compete too. So this is not going to be an easy division. It's going to be hard to really project where people are going to be, to be honest with you. So I can see them being third. I can see them being second. I can even see them being fourth. if things don't go well at the quarterback position. But I'll tell you what, I'm just going to bring up his name again. If they happen to get Aaron Rodgers, you can throw everything out that I'm saying about this division, this entire podcast, because that changes everything, including the ability to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs. So. Uh, we'll see how that goes but you know right now July 23rd uh, Broncos going to be a really tough team this year. I just don't know how all those wins are going to shake out but they're going to have an opportunity to compete for sure. All right, next up we got the Los Angeles Chargers. Still getting used to calling them the Los Angeles Chargers but I think it I think it's starting to to catch on with me a little bit. Uh so first off, um they're going to be led by new head coach uh Brandon Stadley. He didn't have to travel far because he's still in L.A. because he's coming over from the Rams uh, coaching staff. So um, he's going to bring in a lot of fire. He's really a, a attention to detail type of coach, um, especially, uh, you know, with within that coaching tree. Of, it's hard to say he's coming right from Sean McVay, but he's coming from his staff. So um, he's going to have a lot of attributes that that Sean McVay really, uh, really likes. So. Uh, Brandon Sale I think is going to be a really nice addition uh, to the to the LA Chargers. And then, of course, when you think about the LA Chargers, you got to talk about Justin Herbert. And man, did that guy ball out last year! He really solidified himself as the franchise quarterback there. You know, with you know with LA with the Chargers. So, what do I always say? Once you find that guy, you got to really protect him. And that's exactly what the Chargers did this offseason. And they started off by signing the best center in the National Football League, and that is Corey Lindsley, um a free agent who, who played with the Packers. Just as I mentioned with the Denver Broncos and their question mark at center, this is just the opposite where Corey Lindsley is really gonna be a such a huge addition. I think it it really goes a lot of people don't talk about centers as being this flashy, you know, type of position. But you know, those who really know the game of football, who played football, know what a important you know position that is. There's not another guy on the field other than uh, the quarterback position who actually touches the ball every single down. That's the center and the quarterback. So they got to communicate, and uh, you know, Corey Lindsley is going to be the anchor of that offensive line, and so that's part. of A really big piece of a cohesive offensive line. So, really great signing there. Um, And then they brought in Matt Filer. So, that's going to be right there at guard. It's going to be the the left guard um, where he's slated into play right now. So, got him, got that spot locked up. And then, of course, in the draft, what'd they do? They went and got Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern with their first round pick. Now, a lot of people had Rashawn Slater being you know, really ahead of Panay Soul. Panay Sewell didn't really, he didn't play in, in, in 2020. You know, Rashawn Slater was the highest graded uh, tackle it, in the draft that had played in 2020. So um, I really think that's a great pick uh, for them, especially when you're trying to protect your new franchise quarterback. So you get the best center, you get a really good guard, and then you get the – um, you know, you could argue that he was the best uh, left tackle in the draft. So that's a pretty damn good start to be able to protect your quarterback. And then with their second-round pick, they picked up uh, Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, to really help out and solidify, um, you know, the cornerback position there. Um, they brought in um, Michael Davis at at corner. So. We're going to see what, what he does. We're going to see what Asante Samuel Jr. does, but I think that's those are steps in the right direction. And then I had this down as a, as an addition as well, and that's Derwin James. You know, I really think when you lose a key player early on in the season and you have to play without him, and then that next year you get that guy back healthy, yeah, I really consider that almost like an addition because you had to go almost a whole year without him. And and figure out life without him. So when you get him back, it makes you a better football team. So the biggest thing is going to be you know him staying healthy. But you know realistically his injury, um, and I don't want to make light of the injury because you know any injury that's going to make you miss 11 games is definitely one that um, you don't want to make light of. But it wasn't an ACL tear. It wasn't uh, an Achilles tear. He he tore his meniscus. So. You know that's something that you know has a he's going to be able to play no problem with with very little uh, repercussions from from that injury. So I think that's a really great news for the Los Angeles Chargers and that defense to be able to get Derwin James coming off of injury. Now the biggest thing for him he's got to stay healthy. And then another addition that they got um, is going to be their nickel corner. Um, now he'll 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 be on the field when they go. You know the other team comes out and just you know, two wide receivers, but when they bring in those three wide receiver sets, which is really more of a base defense in, in today's NFL, you know, Chris Harris is gonna move down into that that nickel area and 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 cover you know that third that, that slot receiver. So um, and they got him from, from Denver. You know, Denver uh, you know didn't re-sign him so he's very familiar with this division. He's he's probably familiar with a lot of the, the players already on the Chargers. So that should be a really seamless uh, transition, but you can kind of see those steps. Okay. We got our franchise quarterback. What do we got to do? We got to protect him. So they went and picked up three pieces to protect him. Okay. So who else do we play in our division? Okay. We got the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Yeah. They can throw the ball around. All right. We got the the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. They can, they can throw the ball around. They got a lot of speed at receiver. Okay. Oh, we got the Denver Broncos. We got to cover Jerry Judy, got to cover Cortland sutton. Yeah, okay. We got to we got to get some corners. We got to really help solidify our secondary and that's exactly what they did. So, I think those are great additions there. Um some key departures, uh Hunter Henry. Um he left, but they replaced him with Jared Cook. I think that's a really I eh, I wouldn't say that Jared Cook is going to completely be able to replace Hunter Henry cuz Hunter Henry is a really good football player, but Jared Cook's coming from New Orleans, where he's used to playing with Drew Brees and then throwing the, the ball all over the yard. So that's going to be, uh, he's going to be able to fit in pretty quick. He's a bigger guy. He's a physical tight end. So um, I think some really key additions there. Um, that's a, a departure for Hunter Henry, but good replacement. Uh, of course, Tyrod Taylor, um, he's now going to be playing for the Texans. Who knows what that quarterback situation is going to be. I'll talk about them here in a couple weeks. Um but is that, is that a big thing? You got your franchise guy, Tyrod Taylor leaves. Uh, Rayshawn Jenkins, uh, their safety left for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then this was another one, you know, Forrest Lamp. Um, I really think they got an upgrade by getting Matt Filer. So, you know, three of those players, I'm, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, they they replaced them, you know, fairly seamlessly. Uh, and then Casey Hayward Jr., you know, him going to the Raiders, you know, they got Asante Samuel Jr. So it's yet to be seen about a rookie, and I talked about that last week until they start playing downs in the NFL and, and seeing what life is uh going up against, you know, these 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 top athletes. I, I don't care who you are if you're in the NFL and you're playing, you're a dang good football player. You're a really, really good football player. But we need to see how Asante Samuel Junior handles that, especially in a in a in a division like this. So um, I think they lost some guys, but I think they replaced them, and in fact, I think they upgraded in a lot of those areas um there so next up uh you know let's kind of talk about you know some things to kind of watch out for so uh let's talk about the positive first so offensively, when I look at this team, I think that they're really balanced I think they're a really good balanced football team. you know they got uh Austin Eckler here, and he is an absolute stud, okay, and I actually think that when you look at a guy like Austin Eckler when they solidify that offensive line for Justin Herbert that's also going to benefit Eckler i think he's going to have a really good season uh you know when when you have the number 1 center when you when you get a better guard and you you get the number 1 left tackle in the draft i definitely think that's going to help Austin Eckler so i think they're going to be very balanced but when you look at their their receivers of course you got Keenan Allen what what else am I going to say? Just absolute beast out there at receiver. Probably one of the best route runners in the NFL. Um, and then you got Mike Williams, and I really think that his targets are, are, are gonna go up. And I think you know, when you when you get a franchise quarterback that can really sling that ball around and you're looking for him to elevate his game in year two, and I, I think he's gonna get more targets, okay? And and he's a big body receiver. He's 6'4", 220 pounds, former uh, first round selection out of uh, out of Clemson, I think you know him and uh, Keenan Allen are going to be able to do some things. Okay, and then you got Tyron Johnson. Um, we'll talk about him because I I definitely think you know there's an opportunity in this spot now. He didn't play bad last year, um, but I definitely think that he's he he needs to definitely to, to step up. But going back to Justin Herbert, what a great rookie season that that he had. Um, and now if I I, I want to kind of shift gears, you know, talking from that the offense, you know, things to watch out for. I think they're going to be balanced. I think they'll be able to score some points. You know, they got a lot of weapons on, on the perimeter in the backfield and, and weapons on the offensive line, you know, definitely there. So balanced is a word that comes to mind when I'm, I'm talking about this offense. And now, you know, shifting gears to that defense, you know, we talked about their secondary, so I won't harp on that a lot, but. I mean, when you got a guy like Joey Bosa coming off of that edge, who who's coming off a really good season. Um, matter of fact, just about every season that he's played, other than one where he where he got hurt. Um, yeah, that that's gonna help. Um, kind of going back to what I talked about with the Denver Broncos when you start being able to get an effective pass rush and and a secondary who might not you know might be a little bit green and and start to kind of come together uh, a pass rush will help that out for sure be able to get some confidence and not have to cover for for as long um you know as as they would you know say they didn't have a pass rush right so i think that's something that definitely benefits them um on the defensive line you know bose is their their main guy obviously and outside of him you know, they have some guys that, that, that can get it done. Uh, Uchena Nwasu, um, their other edge player, um, he's coming off an, a, a solid season. Uh, and then you have on the interior there, uh, Justin Jones, and he really had more of a breakout season for him. Now, it wasn't a breakout season, like, really necessarily on, on the stat sheet, but I think for him and his, his production and, and the way that he, he really filled in a role on that interior defensive line and then of course they got Jerry Tillery um out of Notre Dame now he's a guy that he's coming into his third year now he's learning a little bit more about the NFL and they really slotted him at, at, in the edge and we'll see where they have him but you know I wouldn't be surprised if they put a guy like that on on, on the interior to take a look at and, and see what what he can do um from from the interior uh I always bring him up, but I'm because I'm very familiar with him. Is the Forty Nineers Solomon Thomas? When they drafted him, he went out to the edge, and he wasn't as successful. But they brought him in on the interior, where he where he played in college. which is where uh, Jerry Tillery played in in college for Notre Dame. He was a lot more successful there. So I, I'm I'm guessing that that's going to be an area where you can can kind of see him him play, you know, in, in that spot. And then, um. Of course, Derwin James, he's going to be, you know, their secondary in, in, in that that safety position, Derwin James is an elite player. He is an elite player in the NFL. So if he's out there, you're going to have a boost out there in that secondary. Now, if he gets hurt again, I think that's where things can get a little shaky on the defensive side. But uh, going to some of their, their weaknesses here, again, that, that third receiver is a question mark. You know, who, who is that guy? And, and, and Tyron Johnson, now he, last year he had 20 catches for 398 yards and three touchdowns, going to have to step that up if, if he's going to be that start and third receiver. So I would like to see more production from him, especially, you know, Keenan Allen, he's not getting any younger. He's still an elite player uh, in my eyes, and, the, and then Mike Williams out there. So uh, I think the targets for Mike Williams are going to go up, but that third wide receiver, that's a question mark for me on this offense and then when I was studying this team something that really stood out to me is how undersized their linebackers are and I mean I'm going to kind of break some of this down for you so uh, they got Kaiser White who's who plays more like a, uh, their, their Sam linebacker which is their strong outside linebacker he only weighs 218 pounds so he's really kind of built like a safety so to me you know, against like a power run team, like let's say Baltimore runs. You know that he's going to struggle against that. Uh, now, speed-wise, he's going to do a lot better in that passing game, which helps out against teams like Kansas City. Um, but if they start pounding the ball uh, with Clyde edwards hilaire okay, what what does that look like? And then Drew Twankwell, um he played safety at Notre Dame. He is their uh, Will linebacker, which is their weak outside linebacker. So you got two guys that played safety in in college. They're gonna have a. I mean, to me, that's a that's a big question mark. You want guys that can run, but you want guys to be able to fill that 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 gap. You want to, guys that can come up and, and stop that run. And third and one, you know, is is Kaiser White gonna be able to stop? You know, a a, a big time running back in the hole. I don't know. He's two hundred eighteen pounds. I mean, he, he he's not a slouch by any means, but. Usually you have a guy that's about 235, 240 that's going to do it. The only guy um, that fits that mold um, is really Kenneth Murray. Now he's 6'2", 243. He plays our Mike position. Um, he was our first round selection the, the year before, Kenneth Murray. So we'll see. He he didn't have the best rookie year, but I mean it's kind of be expected. There's a lot on the Mike linebacker in the NFL, so. Um, those outside guys to me that they're they're undersized like to see a big uh, step up from Murray uh, and, and see uh but to me the, that those are the biggest thing third third receiver who's that guy how's he going to step up what's his production look like and then undersized linebackers and then a really inexperienced mike linebacker um you know outside of that i really think that they they're they're built to be able to start getting some things done but um, as I kind of broke this down on paper, a little bit more worried about them than I think when when I initially initially thought about them. So um, let's take a look at their schedule because you know this is where things get inter- interesting, especially in, in this AFC West. So the first six games for the Los Angeles Chargers are brutal. They start off against the Washington Football Team and. They're going to put that, that revamped offensive line to the test. I know that on paper, yeah, they look a lot better, but that that Washington football team defensive line is going to, going to get after them. They're going to try to put pressure on Justin Herbert right out the gate. Um, and then Dallas. Now, I, I keep going back and forth on them, and I'll talk more about them when we get to the NFC East, but I do think that there's a lot of pressure in Dallas. Dak is, is coming back healthy. I mean, they have to be better than they were than they were last season. I really think that they will be. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Dallas is one of those teams that that hey is a team that that didn't do do so hot last year that that kind of gets in that playoff conversation. So two teams have a lot to prove early on the the Washington Football Team, Dallas Cowboys. You get them coming out the gate. That's tough. And then you got the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. That's going to be tough. So that's going to be a big game. We'll see how. The Chargers hold up there, and then they, they have another divisional game against the Raiders, and then the Browns and Baltimore. So the first six games, I'll just go over it again. Washington football team, Dallas, Kansas City, Las Vegas Raiders, Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens. And then they have a bye, and then they play against New England. So it doesn't get any easier right after their bye. So that's going be they're going to need a strong start. They could struggle early out the gate against some of these teams. They cannot afford to drop any of these games. They need to come out and play strong against Washington. They need to play strong against a team like Dallas, who's going to have a lot of pressure on them early uh, to play well before they, they go to Kansas City. Um, and then Las Vegas. Hey, Las Vegas is a team that will take them down to the wire, and they they have a lot of pressure on them too. So we'll, we'll talk about Vegas here in a minute, but um, Cleveland is going to be a tough draw uh, for anybody, and then Baltimore and then New England. Um you know, getting a lot of their players back. Nine players last year uh, that were out, uh, that that opted out to not play, and they're getting a, a majority of them back. So uh, those first six weeks are brutal. They get a bye, then they play New England. That's going to be tough, but it does get it easier after that. Uh, they play the Eagles and they play the Vikings. Pittsburgh is that team where you know I talked about them last week don't know exactly what we're going to get from them. I can see them really regressing uh, when we looked at them, but they're, they still have talent and they're, they're not going to be put away easy. And, you know, where they're, they're playing week 11, you know, that's that That might be one of those, those times where, where Pittsburgh's really needing some wins and here come the chargers. So uh, we'll see. Um, and then divisional game against the Broncos uh, then Cincinnati. Then you got the New York Giants, which still trying to figure them out a little bit. Um, I'll get more into them here in a couple of weeks. And then you got the Chiefs again. Uh, Texans. I think that they'll 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 handle them pretty good because I I mean that's as close to a, a dumpster dumpster fire as you can get right now in the NFL is the Texans. Sorry, uh, any Houston fans out there, but uh, you know it. I know it. So you know just address it for what it is. And then you got the Denver Broncos week seventeen and finish off against the Raiders. So you know really three three of their last four games divisional games they're going to have to start off strong they and and if they do they're going to be set up really well so you know we'll we'll see um but i think the chargers are definitely up and coming this division is not uh not an easy division you know there's not you know one team where you're like okay clearly bottom dwellers i think every single team in this division is going to be able to compete and i think they're going to beat beat each other up a little bit and, and we'll see where the chips lie because, as we know, in the NFL is any, any given Sunday. But um, I, I definitely think that on paper, um, Los Angeles, they um, I don't have them winning the division. But I definitely have them potentially being in that, that, that second slot right there, being in a good position in the playoffs. I, I think that's a, a good possibility uh, for the Chargers there. <laughs> The Beepcast is brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings. If you love wings, beer, and trivia, you have got to check out Blazing Trivia every Wednesday night at your local B-dubs. Weekly prizes given away with their new interactive experience. Compete against your friends or see how you stack up against everyone else. Blazin' Trivia starts at 8 p.m. Mountain Time in the sports bar. Head on in and check it out. All right, it's time to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, and Matt, I know you are ready for this. Yes, I'm calling you out, Matt, because you are probably the most loyal Raiders fans. You and I text back and forth when it comes to these guys, so this is all for you, buddy. I hope you can get excited for this one, okay? So, Las Vegas Raiders. Now, for me, this was this is a team I, I follow pretty closely. I'm a big fan of John Gruden. Um, I, I, I just love that guy. And then you got Mike Mayock, that I was a huge fan of him as a as an analyst. And I really think that, I mean, they just get so inconsistent at times, and they drop games that they shouldn't drop, but then they win games that they shouldn't win. And it's just like, who is this team? But as I kind of got into breaking this team down this year and kind of looking at it, I really think that they got better. It's hard for me to say that they didn't get better. and. You know, when when start of free agency happened and it just seemed like they were just getting rid of their entire offensive line and they had all these holes to fill and I was like going, what in the heck is going on? But then you can kind of start to see things kind of get pieced together there. So let's talk about it. Now, the first key addition, and I think the biggest key addition of their offseason, Yannick Ngakwe. Now, he he played in Jacksonville, and then um, he played for the Ravens last year, and now John Gruden gets his hands on a, a really good defensive end edge player in Yannick Ngakwe. So I'm really excited to see what he can do for the Las Vegas Raiders. I, I think that's a huge addition. And and the other one, and I was kind of surprised that. You know, in free agency, that Kenyon Drake came over uh, from the Arizona Cardinals because I really felt like that he fit in well there. Um, when he got traded to the Cardinals from Miami, I thought that that was going to be a, a great fit for him. But then somehow he gets coerced into going to the Raiders, and, and good for Mike Mayock for being able to make that happen because now I really think that Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs make. One of the best one-two punches in the backfield, and that's going to do. That's going to help out Derek Carr, and Derek Carr had a solid season last year. I know people like to slander him, and it kind of it, it's frustrating because that guy can really get it done, and I, I he's due for you know some good things to happen to him. He he was uh, out. Of, Pro Football Focus had him ranked the tenth best quarterback last year, so top ten. I don't think a lot of people would think that right, uh, about Derek Carr. So um, I think getting Kenyon Drake and having Josh Jacobs, I think that really, really helps because Kenyon Drake's a game-breaker. So is Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is a workhorse, and he could really get it done. But, you know, when he – when Josh Jacobs was out last year, when he'd need to rest or whatever, there was a, there was a bigger drop-off, and, I, and they're not going to have that uh, this year. Um, they brought in uh, a center, Nick Martin. Now, I've talked a lot about how center is really important, okay? Now – Nick Martin, you know, he he's not a horrible center, and he's not an elite center, but he's very serviceable. He, he's played in the league a while. He he knows the offensive line. He knows how to be able to, you know, get calls right and stuff. So, you know, we're going to see. And sometimes it just takes, because he was playing for the Texans, and when you have a mobile quarterback like, you know, Deshaun Watson, you know, was there in in Houston you know, sometimes those grades can get a little skewed because you're having to block a little bit longer. Um, so we'll see. Um, John Gruden usually does a really good job about uh, being able to have a, a really solid offensive line, um, being able to, to, to handle all that stuff. So I think Nick Martin, I think, is going to be a good pickup for them. Um, Richie Incognito, he was a guy um, that, you know they were able to re-sign, which is good because they needed him. They needed him to come back, and so he's he's probably one of their be- uh, better offensive linemen there at left guard. Um, and then you got Colton Miller there at tackle. I don't want to get into breaking down their lineup. Uh, I'm going into that, but um, I think adding Nick Martin there and and making sure that Richie Incognito uh, came back. I think those were big pieces. Um, and then you get two wide receivers. You get Willie Snead uh, coming in for the Ravens now. I know I talked uh, last week uh, almost a little smack on Willie Snead because I just hear that name and it doesn't scare it doesn't scare me. But I think it's a good pickup for you know adding another weapon because for the Raiders they've had a lot of inconsistent play on on the outside. So um, I think. Bring in the guy that, that's had a, a, you know some pretty good production at receiver. I think that definitely helps. And then they get another speed guy. Shocker that the Ra- uh, the Raiders get another speed guy in John Brown uh, from the Bills. But that's exactly what they did for whatever reason. I think if you have you know the silver and black, that if you're going to play receiver, you got to run a four 2 I think that just seems to be you know the thing. But um, you know as we see with Kansas City, the ability to be able to stretch the field. Um, with these speed receivers, um, I think you can see, okay, Kansas City you want to play that game? Well, we can play that game too. Um, and we have a really good running back. We might be a little bit more dedicated uh, to the run than you are. Oh yeah, we got a really good tight end too. So you can start to see some of these pieces and, and it's really fun to watch these divisions, how they try to match each other and defend each other and, and really try to piece things where they can almost play the same type of ball and and when I look at this this Raiders team, you start to see that speed on the outside. So it's kind of fun to. Okay, I wonder where you got that idea from. Uh, shocker. Okay. Well, let's see what you do with it now. So I think that's great. Um, they're able to bring in Casey Hayward uh, from the Chargers. So there's a lot of there, there's a lot of defensive backs that are moving within the division, uh, which that's kind of fun to see. And then uh, this guy. Uh, i'm gonna talk about him here for a sec because I think he got a really bad rap in in San Francisco, but I'm actually really excited to see him do well um and I think he will do well with the Las Vegas Raiders, and that's all thomas um he He got picked third uh yeah third overall, and you know when you get picked third overall, people expect you to be a game breaker, okay that's not exactly what he is. He's a really good player on the inside, and I don't think he gets a lot of credit for that because people wanted 15 sacks out of him every year. Well, that's not the type of player he is, um, but I think he's going to fit in well. Um, he is coming off an ACL injury, um, but he's a really good character guy. Um, I'm excited to see how he does you know, with, with the Las Vegas Raiders. And then in the draft the, it's just so funny and Matt, I know that you're listening to this right now and and we were there together watching the draft and that first pick, you were so mad because the guy that they picked really they could have gotten in the second round and we thought that they, they were going to pick somebody else um, and the first round they got Alex Leatherwood and it's a good pick because that is you know going to help solidify uh, a tackle position for them. They could have got him in the second round. There no, I don't think anybody had Alex Leatherwood going in the first round. But then they go ahead, and then they get in the second round, uh, Trayvon Mooring from TCU, who was projected in the first round. It's, it's just like classic Raiders. Like How can we just kind of almost seem like we mess it up, but we don't quite mess it up, and we just do things, the beat of our own drum type of thing. It just kind of cracks me up, and the more that I watch them, especially as John Gruden's kind of been their coach, it, it, it's just so funny to watch and it's more funny for me than it is for you, Matt, because I'm sure that I, I saw the pain on your face in that first round, like what is going on? And then you were happy in the second round. So it's like, okay, you know, they, they just like to toy with your emotions. But um, I think those key, those additions to me make them a better football team. Um, because when you look at their departures, the one that stands out to me is Nelson Aguilar. And Philadelphia fans might not think that, they might say, okay, yeah, good riddance, he wasn't any good, but he actually played really well for the Raiders. He was one of their most consistent receivers outside of, of Waller, and Waller's the tight end, but um, pass catchers, I should say. Um, and then the other ones, I mean, Tacky McKinley, um, he went to the Browns. Um, he really got, you know, released uh, f- from the, the Falcons, and then... The Niners tried to pick him up. He failed his physical, and then the Raiders picked him up. Shocker again, kind of what what, we're, what I'm talking about. The Raiders, but was was a good addition for them. But then you know then he ended up going to Cleveland, and then Maurice Hurst. Um, I felt like he was a really good player, but you know he's going to San Francisco now. And then Arden Key, which he I, I feel like he he was just close to to being good, and then just wasn't consistent enough. So. Um, when, when you take a look at their their defensive line, which we we will hear in a second, I will I'll say you know by getting a Solomon Thomas um, and they have some other guys that are they're a little bit more consistent and other guys that they frankly need more production from. Um, so they didn't have as many departures as they had more additions, and that's always a good sign when you talk about an off season. So I think you know when when you look at that initially, okay. I think they got better on paper. Now let's take a look at their lineup. What does that look like? So let's talk about the positives, just overall positives. They got some depth on defensive line. And as I kind of went through this, I'm going, okay. So they got uh, Cleveland Ferrell, which was uh, one of their their, their first-round picks from uh, 2019 draft. Okay. that I think that's good. Okay. He needs to step it up. He played a lot better last year than he did his rookie season. Then you get in uh, Yannick Ngakwe. That's a huge upgrade in, in my opinion. You get a, you know, Arden Key goes away. You bring in Yannick Ngakwe. I think anybody would be pretty uh, pumped up over that. I think uh, you'd make that trade, that swap, I should say. And then you bring in a guy like Solomon Thomas, who I think he, they got to put him on the inside. They're not. I don't think they're going to put him on the outside because you already have Ferrell and, and Ngakwe you put uh Thomas on that inside and then you have Max Crosby I think you got some depth there um and then uh you still have uh Jonathan Hankins uh on the interior there as well so they got some guys on that defensive line and then I I didn't realize they they had all those guys and and you know by getting in Galway and Thomas and then they already had Crosby and Furl and they kind of swapped out some guys that that didn't work out and kind of brought in some other guys that have kind of proven some stuff. So I think that's that's really, really good. Um, like I said, positives, running back, solid one-two punch. Um, I definitely think they're a top three one-two punch in the entire league. Um, definitely top three for sure. Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, uh, I think they're going to be interchangeable. I, I think that's that's going to be really good to be able to help them stay consistent with the run, Help Derek Carr out, and I mean the way that they're built, you got. I would think that there'd be a lot more play action off of this. I mean, just kind of looking at that, helping out their offensive line a little bit. You got two really good running backs. You got a lot of speed on the outside. Uh, to me, that I think they're going to dial up a lot of uh, deep shots. Um, they got speed on the perimeter, and as John Gruden always likes to say, you know, run up on him and scare him to death. He always says that. You know, speed on the perimeter and you know, really that is huge because when you have a guy like Henry Ruggs out there who he really had kind of a shaky first season, he was, he was inconsistent. He, he had some drops. Um, He had some hamstring injuries. So it's like, okay, what are we going to get out of him? But I'm curious to see now that he's, you know, and, and it's hard to, to really kind of put that on him too, because last year was such a weird year. You know, there wasn't really an off season there. There were training camp was really weird. There was no preseason game. So, you know, his first ever game in the NFL was an actual game. It wasn't like a practice game I can go out here and try things out. So, those rookies that played last year that kind of might have struggled or whatever. Yeah, it's hard to put that on them. So, I'm I'm going to give Ruggs a pass on that because, you know, receiver in the NFL is 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 a whole different beast than it is in college, especially at the University of Alabama where they got talent across the board. So I'm curious to see what he does. Let, let's let see him do some things this year. And then, uh, you know, of course, they got Hunter Renfro in there at the slot. Um, I think, you know, he really, he doesn't look like a football player, but when he puts those pads on, he really shows up. He makes some incredible catches, makes some big third down conversions. So I think that's huge. And of course, you got Darren Waller he, I mean, what do I got to say more uh, about Waller? Because I think he's, all right, Matt, don't get mad at me at this, but I think I think he's, like, number three tight end in the league. And I think that's fair to say. I think a lot of people would agree with that. But I'm actually going to take it a step further. I'm going to say he's a number two tight end. You're going to say, oh, who are you putting him over? Well, not, because for me, it's hard to say that there's there's – Kittle, there's Kelsey, or there's Kelsey and Kittle. They're really one A and one B, and you can have an argument for, you know, which one is B and which one is A. And then number two is Waller. And there's a huge drop-off after that. You know, there's other guys that have that some skills, but, you know, Waller's story is incredible. Um, I'm really happy for that guy. It's great to see him have the production that he's having. Um, but you know, if you have to actually say one, two, he would be the third guy. But, you know, uh, Kelsey and Kittle are, are so interchangeable in what they do and how elite they are. And Waller is right there. Um, he's not quite one. Uh, I don't think he's a 1C, but he's definitely solid two in my mind. So I think that's, that's huge. You have a lot of speed on the perimeter. You have a good one two punch in the backfield. And you got Waller there. I think that's good. And now, you know, taking a look at the, the next thing is their secondary. I, I, I do anticipate their secondary being a lot better. And here's the big if. Here is the big if, and I have been very critical, um, and this is the first time I've really said this over like over a microphone and something that's going to get published, but um, Abram, Jonathan Abram, you need to step it up, man, and you actually need to play ball because every time I watch you, you are out of position. You're coming up there and trying to make a hit when you're not even supposed to be in that spot. You're just chasing people so out of position, and in fact, when you take a look at his pro football focus grades it it shows so he was a he he was a first round selection out of Mississippi State he's six foot 205 and he's that guy that was on on hard knocks saying Salmon is it Salmon is there an L Salmon okay enough with it. enough with it man like you just got to show up and play ball like for real like it drives me crazy to see somebody with that much talent not be able to put it together in his mind and be able to be in the right spot. Last year, his defensive grade, and Matt, like, I remember texting you back and forth and telling you that this dude's out of position. This shows it's exactly what I was talking about, 35.9 defense grade. Long silence after that because it's like, what the hell? So he needs to step it up. He had a great pass rush grade. Well, cool, because that's the one thing that he just knows how to do is just go after people with the ball, which is great. That's a great thing to have. Happy for you. But if you play safety, you need to cover. You need to cover and you need to be back there, and especially in the AFC West. So my thing about this secondary, Jonathan Abram, you got to step it up because you're also going to have this other guy, uh, Mooring, Trayvon Mooring, who he he's – a big-time hitter too. So they can be really physical on the back end. They have the potential to be very physical and have people not want to go over the middle and, and really be able to be a, a dynamic group of safeties. But Jonathan Abram, you got to listen to your coaches. You got to be in the right spot where you need to be, not where you want to be, where you need to be, period, end of story. And then you got on the outside, you got Casey uh, Casey Hayward. I think that's going to be a really good spot. Um, and then you have, uh, which is funny, uh, Trayvon Mullen. So they got two Trayvons in the secondary. So we'll see what 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 he kind of brings. Um, he he's another young guy. They have a lot of youth. Um, but then you also have um, uh, Damon Arnett, who they drafted. Who that was another one where it's like that was the guy that you drafted. Um, It's not that he's a bad player. It's just the position that he got drafted at, which I think that's kind of unfair to the player. But he he is a first-rounder, and he was projected in the first round. So, yeah, the Raiders took him in a spot where they weren't thinking to take him. But they have some young talent in that secondary that if they can get their stuff together, um, they should be a lot better. And they have an opportunity to be really, really good. Um, especially with the depth that they have on that defensive line, so I'm I'm very excited to see, you know, what the, what they can bring there. So now here's some question marks, and I think these are all the ones that that I, I I think that you can say just generally about the Raiders. Number one is consistency, and I think that starts with the receivers. Um, I, I think Derek Carr did a lot better last year, uh, a a lot better last year. Like I said. Pro Football Focus has him ranked top 10 quarterback in the league last year. That That's huge. And I, I would say watching him, he, he he was having a really good season. He did have a good season. But then there were some drops that were in key key times of the game, which, which changed games. Uh, what was really cool is being able to watch them play against the Kansas City Chiefs and how they, they, they really kind of started writing the book a little bit on, on what you do to Kansas City. They just sat back and played coverage. And they started to get after Patrick Mahomes a little bit you want to know what was kind of funny kind of sounds really familiar around what the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did yeah they blitzed a little bit but they got there with their their front four and that's kind of what the Raiders kind of did they dropped eight people in coverage at times okay rushed three and I don't know why Kansas City never ran the ball like it's still that, that's still a thing I just don't understand it like people were begging them just run the ball on us like We'd rather have that than Patrick Mahomes throwing everywhere. But for me, uh, get off my soapbox, don't trip off it. Uh, wide receiver consistency. They have a lot of speed on the outside. They have talent, they have talented guys. Be more consistent. Outside of Waller and, and Hunter Renfro, it has been very inconsistent. And rugs, you need to step up too. Same thing as Abram. Like you guys are young guys. You have a great opportunity. They have that great stadium to play in. Um, you got a lot of young guys around you. A lot of young talent on this team. You guys can turn this into something really, really good. It's going to be a tough, tough division. But if they step it up, Rugs, I think, I think he can. I think we're going to see a turnaround from him this year. I really, really do. He stays healthy. That's going to be key as well. And then, you know, this this is another thing where it was it, it was hard to say that this was going to be a negative or a positive because they really did revamp. Uh, the the right side of the line, you know, we got Nick Martin, Denzel Good, and Alex Leatherwood. Um, really, to me, is is the weaker side of the line, and, and the reason why I say the weak side of the line um, is just their in, you know, Leatherwood's inexperience at a right tackle position, um, and then you got Nick Martin, who, again, he's serviceable, and then you got Denzel Good. That's a, the weaker side of the line because really the 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 left side of the line is a lot better with Richie Incognito. And uh Colton Miller. So they're gonna have to step it up. I'm curious to see what Alex Leatherwood does. Um I think he he will do well. It, again, he's a rookie. We gotta see him do something. We gotta see him him come out there and play against some really good pass rushers in the NFL. He he's gonna be going up against Joey Bosa sometimes. You know, he's gonna be going up against some of these these top end pass rushers, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. They're gonna be they're gonna be lining up over that guy and saying welcome to the NFL. So to me, it's a question mark. It, it could turn into be a positive um, with the way that they revamped it, but uh, the way I uh, you know it's a tough it, it's really a tough division to have question marks on the offensive line. Now they can answer those question marks and they can play really well, uh, but right right now for me, I think it's a question mark. And I think it I think it was as soon as um, you know some of these guys started started leaving where they released them or traded them or, or whatever that they did um, on the offensive line. And they already had a lot of other spots to, uh, but I think they kind of pieced it together and they got a lot of weapons and they got some good running backs. And you want to know what helps uh, uh, a struggling offensive line at times or an inexperienced offensive line pound that rock. They got two good running backs to do it. So uh, we'll see what they do there. So let's take a look at their schedule now, because I definitely think um, they're, Again, just like the Chargers, they have a tough first four games. Game number one, Baltimore Ravens, and that one's on Monday Night Football. So one of the first primetime games of the year, Las Vegas Raiders going against Baltimore. Now, sometimes ah, this one's tough because for me, when I initially saw this game come out, I go, oh, that's going to be a really good game, really good test for Vegas early but you want to know what? It's gonna be a good test for Baltimore too because Lamar Jackson, the way that he's he's gonna have he's gonna have a focus on throwing the ball, and that's not something that he's comfortable in doing. I mean I know that he's gonna to want to showcase that. You know, they got four good receivers over there in Baltimore. So we'll see what they do. Um I know one thing that's hard to prep for, especially that week one game, is the speed of a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. So it's going to come down to the game plan. I think that's going to be a tough draw. Uh, but then they're, they're going to go into Pittsburgh right after that. Classic matchup between the Steelers and the, and the Raiders there. Um, it's still going to be tough. It's the Steelers and the Raiders. The Steelers still have some good players on the team. But this is going to be one of those games where, hey, Las Vegas, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Do you want What kind of season is this going to be? Uh, that's a game I think you got to win. Then you got Miami, which I definitely think they're up and coming. I'm not sold on Tua. Uh, spoiler alert for the AFC East preview, um, but I am not sold on on Tua. Uh, not in the NFL college, yes. NFL, not so much. He does some things, yes. Um, arm strength, I think, was a little bit of a question mark. But again, going back to kind of what I was talking about about rookies last year, hard to kind of put it on him. Um, so we'll kind of see. And then they got the Chargers, and and I, I just got done singing the praises praises of the Chargers. So I think it's tough first four games, but. Middle of the schedule gets easier on paper. The reason I say on paper is because there's some question marks with some of these teams. So let's start off the Chicago Bears. Is it Andy Dalton playing quarterback, or is it Justin Fields? If it's Justin Fields, is it because Andy Dalton was playing bad, Um, or is it because Justin Fields is just clearly better? So there's a couple things right there that I think kind of make that a very interesting matchup where on paper right now, you're going against Andy Dalton, you know, that, that Chicago Bears team. Not sure what we're going to get out of them yet. Um, then you got the Denver Broncos. Reason on paper right now, hey, that, that's still going to be a tough team. You know, I talked about them early on in, in this podcast is they have the potential to really put some things together. I think they're really balanced from their secondary on defense, how they can get after uh, the quarterback, and then also their offense. It really comes down to the quarterback. But then what if Aaron Rodgers gets traded there? That becomes a very tough game. And so there's a lot of what-ifs with that. Philadelphia Eagles, Johan, if you're listening, man, I'm sorry. Every time I see the Eagles on the schedule, I'm just putting a win next to whoever's playing them. It's nothing against you, but it's just they're just going to have that year. They're going to have that year, and I'm not the only one that's saying it either. USA Today said they're going to go 3-and-whatever. So what is that, uh, 3-and-14 this year? (laughs) <laughs> be the first team to lose fourteen. Games. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, I'll get off that. Um, but that's going to be tough. I, I I definitely think now, you know, we'll see with the Eagles again. You know that that's another team who can shock everybody. They they have potential to do so. I just I just think the way that the cap went down, they already had a lot of uh, stuff. This is an Eagles preview, but I think that could be different. than they have a then the Raiders have a bye week eight. Giants. I'm not sure what, what they're going to do. Daniel Jones has the capability of being a really good quarterback. I I. He has the ability to to kind of have that transition of kind of what Josh Allen did. I, he really does. They're to me, they're they're a lot. This. They have a really strong arm now. Josh Allen's is a lot stronger, um, but they're both mobile. Um, they both take risks. Um, we'll see. Saquon Barkley is going to be coming back there. So, and then you got the Chiefs week ten. That's going to be tough. But then you got the Bengals. Okay, we'll see what Joe Burrow does. Um, and then you got the Cowboys again you know, I kind of mentioned uh, earlier, we'll see what they get from them. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure. We'll see what kind of team they are week 12. Um, it, it's going to be tough. It, it does end brutal. It's going to end with teams that should be in the hunt for the playoffs. And if, if, if the Raiders want to be kind of considered one of those teams, they got to beat those type of teams. They want to be in the playoffs. They got to beat teams that are, that are vying for the playoffs. So um, they play at can they? They play Washington football team. I think they're going to be right there. They play at Kansas City week fourteen, at Cleveland week fifteen, uh, Denver week sixteen, at Indianapolis week seventeen, and then the Chargers week eighteen. So it's a brutal way to finish out the season. They start off brutal. Kind of, it could be easy in the middle. It could be tough in the middle. We'll see. That's what the NFL is. Um, so kind of in a nutshell, and in this half hour rant about the Las Vegas Raiders. It, Again, what we'll, we'll, we're going to see with this team, I think that they can play really well. I think they have the capability. I think they're better on paper than a lot of people give them credit for. How consistent are they? Are they going to win games that that come down to that last possession? Um, are they going to finish games? Are they going to be solid in the secondary instead of giving up big plays because they want to try to hit somebody or be out of position? So those are the things I'm taking a look at. They have, they have the ability to be number two in this division. They also have the ability – be number four in the division. So um, with them, we'll see. But their schedule is one of those things that does not help them out, that's for sure. All right, last but definitely not least, we got the defending AFC champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I can make up for some time here with a half an hour talk about question marks about the Las Vegas Raiders because the Kansas City Chiefs, there's not a lot of questions about them i mean you know realistically there's there's not um i know that they end up losing the super bowl but w- when you look at this team they're they're a solid group they have explosive receivers um really great quarterback um andy reed they didn't lose their their offensive coordinator they returning a lot of guys um realistically you know, the, the biggest question marks were on the offensive line, and I'm going to talk uh, through a lot of that stuff here. Um, but, I mean, this one's almost going to be short and sweet. I'm going to talk through their additions, and I think that in some areas I do think that they got better. I, I do think in some areas they, they might have got worse. So, you know, let's let's talk about it. It's what we're here to do. So let's talk through their, their key additions here. So when you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, I think the last thing that we remember is Patrick Mahomes running through for his life in the, you know, losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, getting hit, be, having his toe was hurt, you know, wh- whatever it was, they just didn't seem like the Chiefs that you were used to seeing. But I'm going to make some predictions in this that I think might ruffle some feathers because... We'll we'll get to that, but let's talk about their additions. Cause realistically, they revamped their their offensive line. So number one, I definitely think that, that we should talk about it. So the big big thing in the Super Bowl was they were they're without their their two starting tackles. Oh, that's the reason they lost the game. Yeah? Play calling was too. It was too. Whether people want to put that on Andy Reid or not, when you have tackles that are out of the game, you need to game plan not to be dropping back and holding on to the ball forever. You need to run the ball, you need to run some screens, which they actually did a little bit more than I initially thought. Um, but they, Clyde Edwards Hilaire needed to have about 25, 30 carries in that game. Lots of play action, a little bit more screens, not necessarily playing the ball that they were used to because, hey, they're not going to have the tackles that are going to hold up. So, um, one of the things that they did. Because um, they end up cutting Eric Fisher as, and that's a key departure. And Mitchell Schwartz, we'll just put that out there right there. They were without him in the Super Bowl. Um, they end up getting rid of him. Okay, you know for right, wrong, or, or or indifferent. You know Eric Fisher is coming off an Achilles injury. He he missed that game due to injury, and so did Mitchell Schwartz. But um, they had an opportunity to be able to kind of get some other guys in there, and they they traded for Orlando Brown from the Ravens, and he, he wanted out of Baltimore. So he they definitely capitalized on that opportunity and put him in there. Now, he's he's a young offensive tackle, and I definitely think that he, at this point in his career, he's an upgrade over somebody like Eric Fisher. So there's a good point there. Uh, Joe Thune from the, the Patriots, that's a really good pickup. He's a top 10 guard in, in the NFL. I think that's that's a really good spot. They picked up uh, Mike Remmers, and he's he's a, a a good tackle. Okay, he's been in the league for uh, this will be going into his eighth season, I believe, ninth season maybe. Um, he's been in the league for a while. Okay, he he's not elite, but he's not bad either. I mean, he's pretty consistent at that seventy-one to seventy-five grade pro football focus year in and year out. You know what you're going to get from that guy. Consistency's key. He 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 plays a lot of games. Okay, that's that's good for them, okay? Um, their center, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, he's coming over from uh, from the Rams, okay? That's going to be a good spot for him. Austin Blythe, okay? Um, he's he's a pretty dang good center. So we'll see. We'll see what that did. But here's the biggest one, and I have, I, I don't want to say the biggest one because I think the biggest one's Orlando Brown, but Duvernay, Duvernay, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, okay? He played zero snaps last year, but he was part of that Super Bowl winning team. Ouch for me to say that. But he he's a he's a good guard. Um, he's also a doctor. I don't know if people uh, know that. Um, but he spent a lot. He spent COVID helping out a long term care facility in in Canada, uh, which is where he's from. So um, they're getting him back. So that's definitely. Uh, one of those additions there. So revamped offensive line. I think that's something that's a positive key addition for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's 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 gonna be a positive. Um some other ones now there's there's not a ton. Like a lot of the other teams that we've kind of talked about, whether it was Denver, whether it was the Chargers or the Raiders, like these are teams that are building to be able to compete with teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. They're 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 striving to be that elite team. So they have to piece a lot of things together. There's a lot more shuffling around. There's not a ton with the Chiefs here. There there was more this year because of the offensive line situation. Outside of that, not a ton. So um, their linebacker position, they drafted uh, Nick Bolton in the second round um, out of Missouri. So I think that's going to be a really good addition for them in their in that, that linebacking core. But here's on, on defense and I hate to say this, but I have to give credit where credit is due, Jeron Reed to the Kansas City Chiefs is such an underrated move because I've watched that guy play for the Seahawks as a Niner fan, and he gets in that backfield quick at times. In 2018, he actually had 10.5 sacks, okay? So you're pairing him with already two guys on the interior defensive line, I think that's a very underrated signing by the Kansas City Chiefs, and that is a very good player that they got that no one is talking about that I will gladly, not gladly, but I will, I'm will. i happy he's not in the NFC West anymore, I'll tell you that. So if, if you can get any sort of you know read off of me with me not wanting to play that guy twice a year, yeah, I'd say he's a pretty damn good football player. So I think that's a, a, a good pickup for them. And then also Alex Okafor. I think is going to be good, and that's going to actually play a bigger role because um, we talked about the two tackles are gone, but this is a big one, and this isn't one because of injury. It's not one because they cut him as, a, as of yet, but that's Frank Clark. Um, he's in some legal trouble, okay, and he is their best edge rusher and he really makes a lot of game changing plays for that defense. He really, really does. He gets after the quarterback at the right time. Him not being there potentially. As, there's nothing confirmed yet, but I can tell you that it's in the legal system and it's not looking good because his his whole deal was he had like an oozy in his car or something. He's facing like three three charges. That's I would bet if I I'd say that he's probably not going to play the whole season if he plays at all. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, those are some pretty serious uh, charges there. So um, that's a big departure um, from Kansas City if he does not play. That's a, a big blow to that defense. Um, they also lost Sammy Watkins. And Sammy Watkins, very good role player on the outside. He, he's more of a possession guy you know, than some of those uh, track stars out there. And then Bashad Breland. You know he had an interception in the Super Bowl in 2019. He's he's a bigger corner, so I, they're going to miss him on on the outside. So like I said, some additions where they might have gotten better, but some spots where ah uh, might have got worse. And we'll we'll kind of talk about that here a little bit. So um, let's talk about some positives. Obviously, there's a ton of positives to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. You don't go back to back AFC champions without having a ton of positives. So let's just start off with how explosive their offensive, offense is. It's almost like watching arena football. I mean, Tyreek Hill is ridiculous. Um, he He's unbelievably fast, but what's crazy is uh, how good of a route runner he is. He is a really good route runner. He uses his speed to get separation, not even just over the top, but he does that underneath. So corners are so worried about getting burnt deep by him that they give him so much cushion and they'll bracket him over the top that he gets a lot of those intermediate routes and then he can turn those into big plays too so he gets a lot of chunk plays with that then you got McCole hardman who just getting another year in the league and and he's another fast guy so you know he's he can get after it too um and then you got demarcus robinson okay so they have some they have a track team at receiver track team and then. They have top two tight end, and I'm going to go back and say, hey, he's he's 1A, 1B. You can argue him or Kittle who's uh, 1A and who's 1B, but just an absolute stud at tight end. And he, I mean, he just continuously makes plays. He's a great route runner. He'll block. He's just got that swag. He's a really fun player to watch, um, not, for, not for, you know, teams going against him or, you know, Matt, I'm sure that you don't enjoy watching Travis Kelsey play. Um, I'll tell you that's a, a big positive. Uh, another positive is that revamped offensive line. Now, that's that can always be a negative or a positive, but I really think that the way that it kind of ended up last year, it has to be a positive. It, it really, really does. I think they're consistent across the board. I don't think they have anybody that's super elite, but they have people that are consistent, and I think that they can play it together really well as a unit, there they're really balanced across that offensive line, um, and I just got to say, Duvernay, you know, coming back after spending last season on the front lines, assisting, you know, in a long-term care facility during COVID, um, you know, that that guy to me, that that's that's a that's a hero move, you know, taking time off of football to go take care of something that that's important to him, you know, that he went to school for it, you know, as has a, a doctor, that's that's pretty dang impressive, man. I got a lot of respect for that, so. So good for you, DuVernay. That's, that's really, really awesome. So getting him back I definitely think is, is a plus because um, I'm sure that they missed him last year. And let's not forget, there's somebody I haven't even mentioned really, and that's Patrick Mahomes. They got that guy at quarterback. I'd say that's a positive, don't you think? That guy is ridiculous. Now I'm going to talk about something here in just a minute Gonna ruffle some feathers, and you might think I'm nuts, but um, I think there's some credence to it when you watch some game film. Um, their defensive line, kind of going back to my Jerron Reed comments and Chris Jones and Derek uh, Nandi, they are elite on the interior defensive line. It's gonna be hard to run in inside. It's gonna be they're gonna be able to get you know, like I said, Jerron Reed had ten sacks in 2018. Okay, he can get after the quarterback. He can get penetration. And guess what? So can Chris Jones. So can you imagine, you know, who do you double? And then, of course, you still have a Derek uh, Noddy. He, he is a good player, too. I mean, they they're, that's three guys on the interior that are really, really good players. So that might help, you know, with not having, you know, Frank Clark, if he's going to miss an extended period of time. Um, having that, that really solid um, interior is going to be really good. So here's some things that I say they're going against. And this is where I'm going to start to ruffle some feathers. First, here's I'm going to pick the low-hanging fruit. The defensive on paper isn't a strong unit. They really are not. When you look at their secondary, um, they're definitely not. There's nobody out there that really scares you. Now you have Tyron uh, Mathau, uh, Matthew um, that is just a playmaker. He's a really, really good safety but he's not out there playing at corner. Um, and then you have uh, Sorensen here. He always seems to be in spots, Daniel Sorensen making plays. He, he just seems to be in, in those spots making plays. But on paper, you know, he's the 86th ranked safety. I know that he makes plays, but okay. I just, I, I, I'm just just looking at these guys on 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 the defensive side of the ball in the secondary, and it's not scary. It is not. And I think that I definitely think that they can get taken advantage of out there. So um, we'll see, though. They, they, when the offense is scoring 35 points a game, you know, they can give up 30. So that's one of those things where they haven't really been exposed in that area because there's not a lot of teams that have been able to slow down the the Kansas City Chief offense. But the teams that have, you know, kept them to like 20 points, They've kind of want they've been able to get the Chiefs. When you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were able to get the Chiefs. They were able to expose them in certain areas, and so this is where what I think has gone against them now. Okay, so when you have a team that makes, you know that that comes up. Okay, 2019 Chiefs, they win the Super Bowl. Great. You know what are they going to do the next year? They go back to the Super Bowl. They played a lot of football. They played six more games than anybody else has in the, in the league. Okay. Six more games on those bodies, it, it takes a toll. At some point, there's going to be some sort of drop-off. And for me, I know I'm looking at it right now, and it's so easy. It's so easy to be like, yeah, the Chiefs, they don't have a lot of holes. But people, teams, have had 24 months since you know, really 2019 and, and when Patrick Mahomes really started coming on the scene. And for him, it's been three years for him. And I think you're starting to see that a little bit more with him. It this this game in the NFL. It's not just a copycat league. It's I need to scheme to stop you league, and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna find out things that you're not very good in, and I'm gonna attack you in those areas. And that's why I love this game because it's it's such a, a high speed chess match, and you know there's teams that that show up like I'll I'll say the the Raiders last year probably had no business beating the Chiefs, but they did once. And they came really close uh, again a second time we're in that game until the end okay teams are starting to figure them out a little bit i have the feeling they they're going to be there now when we talk about their schedule here in a second it it's a it's a little different okay um because i feel like that they the, they're they're going to have a little bit of a, of an easier road that than most it, it's hard to, to i mean you look at kansas city and say okay Yeah, they definitely have a target on their back, but people have been scheming to stop them. I'm really – the the one thing I was going to say that's going to ruffle people's feathers is Patrick Mahomes. He's been holding on to that ball a lot, okay, a lot he's been holding on to it, and that's partially the reason they lost the Super Bowl. Um, I like to see – and that's just not on him, but he's looking for that big place a, a lot, and he's slinging it around a lot. And he, he gets away with some of these throws, and, and some teams have dropped some picks on him. And for me, I just I, I just have this feeling just kind of in my gut, and I could be totally wrong, and you can blast me and, and, and call me out because I'll deserve it. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm just going to say that I don't think that he's going to have the same type of season that we've seen the last two years. I think there might be a little bit of a drop-off. People are starting to kind of – be able to scheme for them a little bit and now Kansas City' is gonna to have to adjust because I know that they're feeling that too I guarantee you that they're feeling that some things that they came out with early you know they're they're not going to be able to continue to do over and over again they're, you know defenses find a way to stop you so um, you'll will kind of see but I can definitely see that this defense could get taken advantage of when you have all this talent and all this money on the offensive side, there's going to be some things that kind of give, get given up on the defensive side, and that could potentially cost them some games. So um, we'll see there, but I, I, I'm going to call it out right now. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a little bit of a harder time this year um, you know, than, than he's had in past years, and that's okay. You're not going to come out and be elite every time. Tom Brady's had great seasons. He's had seasons where, okay, he didn't play well, but you want to know he's always there at the end. I do expect the Chiefs to be there at the end. Um, but statistically from some of these guys, I don't know if you're going to see it. And it's hard for me to say that for a guy like Travis Kelsey because I definitely think he's going to be you know, consistent there. He's really at the top of his game right now. Um, but Patrick Mahomes, I'm, I'm curious. I really think that if the Chiefs are going to continue to be successful, they've got to get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a little bit more involved. I think they need to give him the ball a little bit more often than they do. I really think that in that Super Bowl, had they done that, and had they really concentrated on, you know, giving him the ball, you know, early, giving him uh, the ball, and and even like second and eight chances where you think that that Kansas City is going to throw the ball, you know, keeping the other team off balance, I think that would have just helped out so much more. And and I've watched that game a couple different times, and you know, like I said, you know, they ran more screens than I initially thought because I just had this image in my mind: Patrick Mahomes running for his life. But they had to do something, and I, I really think that I, I don't think that you can have Patrick Mahomes drop back consistently 45 times a game because he does take some hits. He takes some shots because he does run around. And, you know, what does that look like health-wise? You know, I I I definitely don't want him getting hurt and and things like that, but I know I have a different tone right now than I should with the Chiefs, but I just, I just have this gut feeling that just years and years of watching football that just tells me, you know, you're not going to have this team that just continues to be on the top year in and year out. They played a lot more football, uh, and somewhere there's going to be a break. That's the reason why there has never been a you know three-time Super Bowl champion. It's it's hard to get there once, let alone get there twice. So we're, we're going to see what happens. They got a lot more competition in the AFC this year than they've had previous years. Um, you got the Cleveland Browns there. You got the Buffalo Bills that are really kind of coming up. You got people in their own division, whether it's the Raiders or whether it's the the Chargers that are coming up. Denver, what's gonna happen with Aaron Rodgers? What is that gonna look like? Okay. So those are the things I'm kind of talking about. Uh, I don't want to downplay the Chiefs because I definitely think they're a really, really talented team. But I think you got to take a step back and, and realize these guys have played a little bit more football than everybody else has. They've gone I mean gone through this pandemic being on top. That that does wear on teams and eventually I think you're going to see a little bit of a drop-off, and it would not shock me if it was this year. But as we continue to go into the schedule, um, that's where when you kind of look at it, I think it starts off rough for them, but then it gets a lot easier. I mean, for Cleveland, I don't think there's a better time to play the Chiefs than early. I know the Chiefs are going to be out there. They're going to want to do some things and get that Super Bowl loss, that taste out of their mouth but I can tell you that Cleveland knows that they can play with them. They were right there in that game at the, at the end um, in the divisional playoff against them. They, they were very close to winning that football game. And if you think that Cleveland's not motivated for that game to come out there and play them Sunday, September 12th at 2.25 p.m. Eastern time, you're dead-ass wrong. They're coming. They've built their team to go after Patrick Mahomes. They have built their team to run the ball to death, and they have great superstars on the outside Uh, at the receiver position. They are built to beat the Chiefs, okay? So is Buffalo. Buffalo is right there. Now, they look a little bit different defensively than the Cleveland Browns do, but I'll tell you, not a lot of teams look like the Cleveland Browns right now. Um, Teams that are going after teams like Kansas City, it's all through the defensive line, and Kansas City struggled with the 49ers in that game. They were able to get to Patrick Mahomes, and we could talk about that at a much different time, and I'm sure you don't want to hear me talk about that game, but I'm going to tell you, Cleveland, that's going to be one. Baltimore is another one. You think that they don't have it in their mind? The, this entire time, they've been wanting to be where Kansas City is, and they keep getting knocked out of the playoffs by the Tennessee Titans. You think that when Kansas City doesn't go to Baltimore September 19th, that that's not on Baltimore's mind? How about the Chargers, who are in the same division? Okay, Those first three games, Cleveland, Baltimore, Chargers, that's a tough way to start the, start the year. So... To me, I'm curious to see kind of what happens because the champs just got knocked off in the Super Bowl. What happens if it doesn't go good early? What does that team sort of look like? Because they're used to things going well. They're used to having that momentum, used to being right there. What is that going to start to look like? And I know starting off maybe 0-1 or even 0-2, okay, what, is that, what does that look like? Are people complaining? Are they going to start not playing the way that they should play? Are they going to get away from the things that made them successful? I don't know. Uh, they have a chance to get it right against Philadelphia, but then they play Buffalo, and you think that Buffalo's not ready to go? They, they, they just lost the, in the AFC Championship game to Kansas City. Hell yes, they're going to be ready. So four out of the first five games are teams that have every reason to sit there and look at Kansas City and go, we're taking you down. We've had you marked on the calendar since the schedule came out, even before the schedule came out. We've got to beat Kansas City. We're building our team to beat Kansas City. That's what they're there for, and then they're going to play against a team, the Washington Football Team. They got Fitzpatrick, Fitz uh, Fitzpatrick, call him Fitzmagic, and they have a really good defense there. Okay, that's going to be tough. Then you got the Tennessee Titans at Tennessee. You think Tennessee's not ready? They just they just they just traded to get Julio Jones and AJ Brown, and they got a good defense. Bud Dupree, they they added Bud Dupree. We talked uh, we talked a little bit about that last week uh, when I talked about the AFC North. So yeah, you're going to have you're going to have these teams that are they're going after it and uh we'll see what the Giants look like. We'll see what Green Bay looks like. The Raiders definitely have the ability to beat the Chiefs. So we saw that last year. So for me, what does it look like if it doesn't go well early for the Chiefs? You know, what what's going to start to happen? So I definitely had them projected to be to win that division. I had them pro- projected to be in the playoffs again. But don't like that's not in pen this year. It's in pencil. And the reason it's in pencil is just for all the reasons I talked about. They played more games. They they've been there. Uh, that six more games on some of those bodies, okay, through a pandemic, and they a revamped offensive line. They know what that defeat in the Super Bowl tastes like now. Um, they, trust me, they're still strutting around. So we'll see. These other teams have a little bit more like grit to kind of go after them and. I mean, the the schedule makers are geniuses because really it's back to back to back to back. Teams that want to beat you, let's start them off: Browns, Ravens, Chargers, Sweet Bills, Sweet Titans. Yep. Oh yeah, we're gonna throw the Raiders in there week ten when you're trying to get back on track, and the Raiders are like, hey, kind of got a little blueprint on you last year. We're ready for you too. So, all right, guys. Well, that's that's my preview of the AFC West. All right, I'm just gonna go ahead and throw it out there. So here is my one through four in the division. Ready, set, go. I got the Chiefs one. I got Chargers two. I'm going to go Raiders three and Broncos four. If Aaron Rodgers comes over, blow that thing up because that will be completely different. Every team is going to have a chance to compete. I don't think there's going to be a team in that division that's going to be under, uh, let's say, six wins. I definitely think that even the Broncos are going to have a chance to win six games. So, all right, that's it for the cast this week. Next week, I'm going to be diving into the AFC East. Boy, I had an accent there. That was weird. AFC East. We're going to go through that. I'll finish off the AFC South, and then we'll switch over to the NFC. Um, but we're going to keep doing this. We're going to go right through the preseason Um, I'm going to preview every single game, and I'll even try to have a a fantasy football outlook for you guys um, right before we get up into the season. So I hope you enjoyed listening, and uh, my name is Brandon Peebler. Thanks for giving me a listen, and I am out.